Hey! Welcome back to Emotions and Potions. A love slash hate letter too, with your lovely host Ashton. And Alex. And this week we are doing a listener request. Yes, this one is a recommendation from Meredith. We're super excited. Alex, what book are we reading? Our reading The Takeover by T.L. Swan. And we were so hyped. We were so excited that someone actually reached out and was like, we listen and this is a book that I'm curious what you guys think. And so we had to do it. Yeah. So The Takeover, T.L. Swan. It's another wonderful romance. romance. But this time we're going into like billionaire, millionaire romance. Yeah. Okay, Alex. So obviously before we kind of dive into The Takeover, we want our listeners to know some of the things that are found in this book. The trigger warnings, we do have death of a spouse that happens in the past off page, but it does get brought up a lot. A single mom. And then some tropes, we have enemies to lovers, friends with benefits, office, workplace romance, and then, you know, your billionaire millionaire romance. So pretty tame. Yeah, compared to what we've been reading for the pod, a lot more tame. I like that word. That, that Yes. But a little gentler. <laughs> gentler, but still very smutty. Yes. Still very, very spicy. Smutty. So then let's kick it off with a synopsis. In bestselling author T.L. Swan's second hot installment to the Miles High Club series, he's sexy, rich, and her mortal enemy. Hate never felt so good. I first met Tristan Miles at a meeting where he was trying to take over my late husband's company. He was powerful, arrogant, and infuriatingly gorgeous, and I hate him with every cell in my body. In the shock of the century, he called me three days later and asked me on a date. I would rather die than date a man like him, though I do have to admit it was a good for the ego. Turning him down was the highlight of my year. Six months later, he was the guest speaker at a conference I attended in France. Still arrogant and infuriating, but this time surprisingly charming and witty. When he looked at me, I got butterflies, but I can't go there. He's just a player in a hot suit, and I'm just a widow with three unruly sons. I just need this conference to be over. Because everybody knows that Tristan Miles always gets what he wants, and what he wants is me. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Can he want me <laughs> with that synopsis? That was a pretty good synopsis. I liked that. It didn't really go into a whole lot of plot, but it gives you kind of a breakdown of the timeline of kind of what's going to happen. Yeah, and kind of their dynamic and how it's going to play out throughout this book. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as it goes, I was a fan of this, this synopsis. Same. Definitely draws you in, makes you want to read it. Without giving too much away. Yeah. Yeah, here for it. Okay, so now that we've kind of have the premise of what this book is going to entail, Alex, our lovely potion maker, what have you prepared today in our little champagne glasses? So since, you know, we're going like millionaire, billionaire romance here and part of this book takes place in France, I'm doing a, you know, a champagne drink. Very bubbly, very bougie, very sparkly. So I have dubbed this the Peche Charge. Ooh, okay. Which is loaded peach in French. In French. Oh, that's good. I really hope I pronounced that correctly. I tried. No, that sounded good to me. A non-French speaker. (laughs) I did Google Translate it and, like, listen Listen to to it it a few times. So I I really did put in some effort in getting that right. No, I like that because this drink is definitely very peachy. 
Yes, it's um some peach moonshine, some white cranberry peach juice, a little bit of rose gold luster dust. Because remember, from Wicked Beauty, Alex bought her edible glitter, <laughs> and now she's literally obsessed with it. So probably for the next. Until it's gone. <laughs> Foreseeable future, there's going to be luster dust in but she the used, potion. But she used a rose gold uh, dust, glitter dust. And with the peach, it Complements like, it so well. It looks so freaking fancy. It looks so pretty. We'll have a picture of it because we both love glitter. We're going to post a picture on our Instagram, Emotions and Potions Pod, so you can understand that you need to purchase edible glitter. Yes. And then I did float it with a French uh, rosé brute. Very nice. I liked the bottle of that. I liked the um, packaging. It had like a pink label. I'm so here for that. So Okay, let's try this bad boy because I've been dying to. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. It's very good. It is good. It is very peachy, but I'm not mad at it. Me either. And I mean, champagne step, is pretty good. Step up your mimosa Bellini game. Heck, I am all for any type of champagne drink. And I, as I was telling you, when you told me that this is the drink that we were making, I was like, Alex... This is why we are friends. <laughs> I understand your You needs. get it. <laughs> so once again, the potion, 10 out of 10. So good, Alex. Thank you. And we're recording this episode in the morning. So it's the perfect. Like mimosa-y brunch, lunch kind of drink. Because yes. our main characters have a lot of lunch. And they also they drink do. a lot of wine. So it's another reason why I want it to kind of go like you wanted to sparkly, incorporate, wine, right? brunchy, lunchy. You did it again, Betty. Alex. <laughs> 10 out of 10. So if you want that recipe in more detail, it's going to be on our Instagram, Emotions and Potions Pod. It'll be on the TikTok under the same handle. All right, Alex, we have our potions. Let's, we have our warnings. We have our warnings. We know what we're getting into. Now time to spoil the fuck out of this book. So Ashton, kick us off with that plot breakdown. Claire Anderson's a widow and mother of three. Her husband, Wade, has been dead for five years, and she has taken over his media company, Anderson Media, which is currently on the verge of failing. Tristan Miles, head of acquisitions for Miles Media, has a meeting with Claire, and he wants to buy her company. Claire isn't having it, and not only tells him no, but also tells him off. Tristan isn't used to being told no, and is not only attracted to Claire, but is also now intrigued by this woman, while she can't deny that Tristan is handsome but wants nothing to do with him. So we're starting off strong with the classic enemies. I want you, but I should hate Yeah, like I hate everything that you represent, but you're fine and I want to bang you. <laughs> Six months later, Marley, Claire's employee and best friend, with some help from Gabriel Ferrara, another media mogul and friend, convinces her to go to a self-help conference called Master Your Mind Dance. When Claire checks into the hotel in France, the conference is being held at she starts to meet some of the other attendees. Ellie, an influencer. Angel, a porn actress. Nelson, a computer scientist. And a beautiful woman named Melissa. So the first morning of the conference, turns out the keynote speaker is none other than Tristan Miles. Claire is not happy about this. And tries to walk out of the conference, but Tristan calls her out and gets her to sit back down. Makes like this huge scene. Like, calls her out on the stage, Claire Anderson, sit your ass down. And she kind of has no other option. Everyone's yeah. looking at her now. It's like, oh, God. Because there's, like, a little over 200 people at this conference. So, like, they all turn and face her. And it's like, uh... And, like, he's a big deal. 
And he's like calling her out. People are kind of like, well, what's going on here? Like, but also, how do they already know each other? So after the first part of this day is over, Claire skips out on the next activities and gets a massage instead. And Tristan is very upset by her absence. Later that evening, over drinks, Tristan confronts Claire about why she is so rude to him, and she informs him that he repulses her. Taken aback by how she is not falling all over him, he makes a call to his brother, Jameson, and informs him that he will be staying at the conference for the week instead of just the opening day. Because of Claire, the conference just now got interesting. Smug bastard. Yeah, he's like, I'm not leaving until I sort this. There is a definite sexual attraction happening between Claire and Tristan. He is ready to make something happen with it, but Claire is still fighting it, and him like the plague. She is just still not here for it, even though she wants to, Loki. Time for lots of sexual charge dialogue between these two, starting now, and it doesn't end. Never ends. Starting with, don't be afraid to call me Tristan, because one day very soon, I predict that you're going to be moaning. Just an example of the type of dialogue that you get between these two. And that sort of thing just continues throughout this book. There were so many good, sometimes bad and cringy. Where it's like, oh, that just makes me cringe. Yeah. But like, also, I don't hate it in romance novels as much as like if it was actually real life. But these two. I went back and forth with loving it. Did you? Where some points you're like, love that. Ooh, hate Hate that. that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. So Claire is ready to turn in for the evening at 2 a.m. And she is struggling with having sexual urges now and is being disloyal to her dead husband. This becomes a very common theme with Claire and something that she really struggles through because since the death of her husband, she hasn't dated. She hasn't slept with anyone. Obviously, her husband dying, that isn't like just getting a divorce. This was an unwilling separation. Yeah. And you can't see him because he's dead. Right. So, and this is something that plagues Claire the entire book. So Tristan takes his opportunity to escape from women from the conference who won't leave him alone because they want to have sex with him. With the excuse, he is going to help Claire study. Very smooth. In the hotel elevator and while walking to Claire's room, Tristan starts coming on to Claire very strongly, trying to persuade her to sleep with him. Thankfully, Nelson, the computer scientist, interrupts this tension moment and Claire bids Tristan a good night. So Tristan also isn't used to being turned down. No. So I think that that's also an appeal that Claire is like holding out. He's enjoying this chase because normally he doesn't have to chase. Right, because girls come to him and fall at his feet. Yeah. Because not only is he very wealthy, he's also very good looking. Double whammy. Double whammy. So the following day, after a difficult day of the conference, emotionally for Claire, she is coming back to the hotel from a convenience store and runs into Tristan, who is being sympathetic and unusually kind to her, to which Claire calls him out on it and demands he treats her normally and not with him. Tristan grabs her face and kisses her, pushes her up against the wall, and says, the last thing I feel when I look at you is pity. She gives into a moment of passionate kissing with Tristan, but breaks it up, They exchange some heated words, and Claire returns to her hotel room alone. The following day, the conference attendees go to a wine-tasting tour at the 6th Winery. Claire decides to join Tristan at the bar. They have banter about Claire ignoring their sexual connection, lots of dirty talk, and they agree to take things back to Claire's room. 
chapter five, and we get our first and definitely not last sex scene. So it, it happens quickly. Yes, very quick into this book. Sadly, Tristan only brought one condom to the party, and he finished quickly. They wound up falling asleep. So the next morning, they make it out of the hotel room unseen by other conference attendees and are having breakfast at a cafe with everyone. Some of Tristan's groupies try to get some one-on-one time with him, but he lets them know he still has a project to complete with Claire, who cheekily informs him she finished it herself. Meaning she got herself off. Later in the evening, while Claire is taking a bath in her room, Tristan slips in with a hotel key he stole from Claire, and he joins her in the tub. They exchange some bans about him spending the earlier evening with three women, and he lets Claire know he's only interested in her and bought condoms in bulk. And they proceed to fuck for hours. The following day at the conference, Tristan must leave for a meeting in Paris, and he leaves roses in her room and invites Claire to join him for a weekend. In the city of love. and the city of light. As they have unfinished business. After speaking with her mother to confirm she can still watch her boys, Claire agrees to go to Paris. So Tristan sends the company private jet to take Claire to Paris, and they are staying at the Four Seasons in the Eiffel Tower suite. How freaking nice. Jesus. And it's like, that's where he always stays when he's in Paris? Rich people. Why aren't I one? Um, (laughs) They have a dinner and night out dancing filled with cheeky, sexy bants, ending with more hours of long fucking. The next morning, they have their first fight about Claire not wanting to befriend Tristan on Instagram allowing him to see her private life and children. She's very protective. After a day of sightseeing, all the Paris sights, they have a romantic dinner, followed by a night at the Moulin Rouge, and the next day, it is time to return to New York. So during this time, we get hella sex scenes. This book was so heavily sexed out that we're going to do this a little bit different than how we have been, where we are going to go into a lot more detail on our, like, top two favorite sex scenes throughout the whole book. Yeah, we're going to do, like, a whole smut talk Because if we if we this. go into detail on every sex scene... We're going to be here forever. Yeah. So we're going to let you know when the sex is happening, but once we're done with the plot, we'll go back and kind of go into detail about our Some top. of our favorites. Yeah. So when Claire returns home, she finds things in chaos with her kids, and to top it off, a broken dishwasher. When she makes it back to her office the following day, she informs Marley the conference was just what she needed, but doesn't tell her about her naked times with Tristan. She heads to her office and realizes she has multiple multiple missed calls from Tristan, and when she looks up, she finds him standing in her office doorway, demanding to take her to lunch. This causes another fight between the two, as Claire tries to put a stop to things between them, thinking they were just a France fling. And Tristan stating that things aren't over until he says that they're over and he leaves kind of in a huff and puff. I didn't really like that line. No, don't like that. Mm -hmm. Very controlling. Claire then must come clean about her hookup in France to Marley. During a girl's happy hour, Marley tries to convince Claire to be friends with benefits with Tristan. She's my type of girl. Marley's like, uh... Claire, you honey, <laughs> been celibate for five years. Go get that dick. Yeah, Marley is like, please hook up with him because everyone else does. Like, and also, I think Marley wants to like live vicariously through Claire because Marley, if given the chance, would fuck Tristan. 
But Claire is still fine with her one-time fling scenario that happened. She's kind of still very hesitant about this being anything. When Claire returns home, her oldest son, Fletcher, finds men's underwear in his mom's suitcase and loses his shit. And at that very moment, we get a knock on the door from none other than the man who the underwear belongs to, Tristan. Fletcher starts to attack Tristan and shoves the underwear in Tristan's mouth to attempt to choke him to death, though his ankle is definitely messed up after that altercation. So Fletcher's also about like 18. Yeah, like 17. 17, He's still in high school. Like a senior. Tristan is like early 30s. I think he's like 34. And then Claire is 38. Yeah. So Claire is an older lead heroine in this book, Mm -hmm. which I kind of like. Same. And I think even the podcast, the oldest heroine we've had up until now has been like 32. I think so. Yeah. So this is a woman who's like, she's established like, she has kids. She has a career. You know, she's not looking really for a friends with benefits situation outside of this Paris. And she was away from her reality. Yeah, she has like her own whole ass life. Yes. So Fletcher does cause some like cause some damage to Tristan. He like twists his ankle. Yeah, because he like bum rushes, tackles him and is just like swinging on him. And Tristan's like, what the fuck is happening here? Yes. So after that, he slightly calms down. Tristan starts to be more silently and maliciously threatened by Claire's middle child, Harry, who I think is about 12 or 14. Between, yes, within that age range. I think 14, now that I think about it. because I, I he's in middle school. 12 to 14. The youngest boy, Patrick, who I think is like 8 to 10, yeah, somewhere in that age range, is kind of interested in him and the only one who seems to be willing to give Tristan a chance. Needless to say, Tristan is overwhelmed by Claire's boys. The state of chaos that her home is, the pets, Muff Cat, and the dog Woofy, Tristan bolts out of there, messed up ankle and all, and when he gets home, he calls his brother Jameson to debrief him on the whole situation which his brother finds hilarious. Yeah, because, like, Harry was being super maniacal and, like, doing, like, the little finger across the throat thing, like, I'm going to kill you, and then, like, mocked hanging himself. Yeah, so Harry, I was getting very much, like, psychological warfare. Yes. Like, low-key sociopathic, psychopathic tendencies, whereas Fletcher was just very much, much like, brute force mm-hmm. and just, like, coming down. And then there's poor little... Patrick, who's like, wait, hi, <laughs> friend, come play with me. Let's watch movies and like, because you also have to remember the dynamic of the kids with their dad. Their dad's been gone for five years, so Fletcher has probably the most memories and can still probably actively remember his dad. Harry, the middle child, it's probably starting to get fuzzy. He probably has some memories, but but they're things, fading. Yeah. But he's trying to hold on to maybe those memories. And then Patrick is so young, he probably doesn't even really remember Wade. So that also, that dynamic plays in a role throughout this book, which I I really liked that T.L. Swan kind of incorporated. Yeah, and then like Fletcher, the oldest one, has taken on this man of the house role. He protects his mom. Very protective over his mom. Harry is as well a little bit more bratty and kind of protecting himself. 
yeah. a little bit more than he's protective of Claire. Can't blame any of the kids for these feet. But I do like that T.L. Swan has this element in the books because I feel like if you are bringing kids into a scenario like this, you have to also explore how they would handle grief and their mom potentially moving on. So the following day, Tristan is conducting interviews for his next intern, and one of the candidates is Fletcher. He verbally squares off with Tristan once again and leaves the interview. After the other interviews have concluded, Tristan finds himself thinking back to Fletcher, thinking about the loyalty to his family he showed, his passion and temper, and he actually ends up choosing him. Fletcher now has to break the news to his mother that he will be working at Miles Media. Claire does not take this well and initially forbids him from doing so, but after a weekend of arguments, she relents and lets him take the interview. During his first week at the internship, Tristan has been riding Fletcher hard, and when Claire calls to check in on him during lunch, Fletcher informs her that Tristan called him stupid. So, Mama Bear mode engaged. Big time. And she comes charging into his office, ready to rip him a new asshole. And Tristan retorts back that he is teaching him work ethic as he is lazy and needs discipline. Fletcher enters the battle, which concludes with him maintaining his job and being dismissed to finish his reports. While Claire leaves, warning Tristan she will be watching him. We cut to Claire wrapping up a board meeting for her company. Numbers seem to be improving, and she meets Gabriel for dinner afterwards. She then looks to the other side of the bar, where a group of men are laughing. And one of them is... Tristan Miles. Tristan and Gabriel are rivals in the media game, so they don't like each other. Claire is trying to keep Gabriel from spotting Tristan and Tristan from spotting her. So a lot of balancing. <laughs> yep. During this dinner, Gabriel offers to help Claire's company by buying 50%, being a silent partner. And when she's back on her feet, she can buy him out and get back the full company. After this proposal, Tristan cuts into their dinner while Gabriel is quick to state that it's a date. But Claire's kind of like, no, it's a business meeting. We're friends. <laughs> The business meeting slash date quickly gets awkward and interesting as Tristan and Claire keep exchanging filthy texts back and forth while she is trying to continue her dinner with Gabriel. The dinner ends with Tristan cornering Claire in a hallway and convincing her for one more night together at her hotel. They take things back to the hotel and bang it out. And afterwards, Tristan tries to convince Claire to keep seeing him and she calls things off. And then Tristan gives her the cold shoulder. So this is something else that's very common. Is like they're super hot and heavy. Then one of them kind of like freaks out. And then it puts a stop to everything. And then it's this awkward moment. And they almost immediately regret the decision to call it off. But like I just. It's, it's, it's a weird. I just think it's really annoying though. Because specifically pertaining to Tristan. Because he storms out so many times. And I'm like, how can you be a successful business person if your response to hearing something that you don't want to hear is to make a scene and then slam the door and storm off into the night? Yeah, he has tempered tantrums. Like, this a is the lot. second time we've seen it. He did the, the first time he went to Claire, to Claire's house, and he had the yeah. confrontation with the kids. He storms off. But also, like, what were you expecting showing up to her house unannounced? It's like, you know she has kids. Yeah. It's not going to be this perfect. Especially after you've already had the conversation and knowing where she is kind like, of at. Yeah. 
and you show up at her house in Long Island when you live in Manhattan on a Wednesday night? Like, right like, after she had this international trip, somebody else, her mom, looking after her house. So, of course, things aren't going to be orderly or in whatever state you normally keep it in when you don't have control right. over this situation. But I just, like, kind of got annoyed at Tristan because I was like, that isn't how you handle things, especially with him being this very successful businessman. Yeah, it's like you want to be in this mature adult relationship. Fucking act like it. Exactly. So obviously we get some a really good smutty scene in that hotel room. Yeah. They definitely bang it out. Tristan decides to try and get over Claire by going out with his usual type, which is a hot blonde fashion editor. Marley happens to be at the same restaurant Tristan is at and informs Claire about this new development. While on the date, Tristan realized she's not his type of woman anymore, and he still wants Claire. At Miles Media, it is Friday, and Fletcher has been working late, so he missed his train home. So Tristan gives him a ride, hoping to spend some time with Claire. But it turns out she has a date with Pilates Paul. Dun, dun, dun. So Fletcher is supposed to be babysitting his brothers while Claire has her date and Tristan decides to stay and assist. While he is hanging with the boys, Fletcher gets a message from his school crush and Tristan gives him some dating advice and Fletcher leaves for his first date. So Tristan pretty much is like, go, I'll watch Patrick. Tristan and Patrick start to bond and thankfully Harry, aka the wizard, is away at a school camp for the evening. When Claire gets back from her date, she comes home to a Patrick falling asleep on the couch with Tristan, who has drank her wine, and she is not happy about Fletcher leaving him to watch Patrick. Tristan winds up spending the night at Claire's, and after an uncomfortable few hours on the couch, he decided to go and stay in Harry's room. And when he wakes up, Harry is standing over him in a murderous fury, wanting to know what the fuck he is doing in his bed. As Tristan is making his way home, his car begins to give him trouble. Tristan goes to see Claire at work again to take her to lunch and convince her to a relationship of casual monogamy and meet for lunch at a private hotel suite. So he has finally gotten a little bit to the next step. He's kind of convincing Claire to take the next step. Or at least, you know, continue fucking. Yes. But yeah, exclusively. Essentially, it's a friends with benefits, but it's m monogamous. So yeah. they're only going to be sleeping with each other, but it's not a relationship in the sense of dating. This lunch date quickly becomes a naked one following two more during the same week. As Claire leaves him from her shower, Tristan gets a call from his mechanic about his car, and it turns out someone poured a ton of sugar in his gas tank, and it turned out Hair removal was put in his conditioner and his hair is starting to fall out. And all of these things are done by the wizard, a.k.a. Harry. So Tristan calls his brother Jameson about the situation with Harry the wizard before he kills the kid. As brothers do, Jameson makes fun of him for the predicament he's in and how he's basically whipped for Claire. Claire is on her way home and she's feeling happy for once. And she's enjoying this new relationship with Tristan and is proud of her son Fletcher for all the hard work he's been doing. When she gets home, Tristan shows up unannounced, again, for a movie night with Patrick, who gets his nickname of Tricky, which is really cute. 
I do like how um, Tristan gives all the boys cute little nicknames. Yeah, Fletcher is Fletch. Harry is wizard, wizard. And Patrick is tricky. Harry is also at home. And Tristan uses this time to make him nervous about what he did to his car, stating the police are now involved in the situation. At the end of the evening, Claire is getting ready to go to bed and is checking on the boys and overhears a conversation between Fletcher and Tristan about how to use a condom. This really freaks Claire out as one, she isn't ready for her son to be considering having sex. Like she's not ready to like think of that. And also this is the type of like fatherly conversation that Fletcher should be having with Wade. Who obviously is no longer here can't have that conversation so it's really getting to her so claire goes to her room where she begins she begins to emotionally break down she's feeling bad about starting to move on from her husband and wrestling with the fact that she's still also in love with wade and has yeah i mean that's just a really tough dynamic of like losing your spouse at a very young age i think he died in a car crash yeah so it was obviously something that was very sudden It seemed like her and Wade had a really good relationship. Like they were very much still in love with each other and enjoyed each other's company. So like it is a very hard dynamic of losing the person that you like still want to be with to death. Like that's that's a hard thing to kind of. But then she's also kind of realizing she does need to move on with her life. That Wade wouldn't want her to like still be suffering. And be like alone and like sad. And so I, I can sympathize and understand why she's struggling. Tristan sees Claire crying and tries to console her and find out what's wrong, but Claire shuts him down, stating she's just on her period and it's hormones, and kind of like shoes him away. So Tristan goes downstairs to sleep on the couch, and while Claire is up in her room, she's still having this internal struggle, so she goes and takes her wedding ring and puts it on, because it's like a security blanket, and she falls asleep wearing her wedding ring. The next morning, Claire goes downstairs. Tristan sees the ring on her finger and freaks out. Because also earlier in the book, he even like straight up tells her that he isn't sharing her with anyone. He's realizing he's going to come second because of the kids. And then he's like, the pets also kind of outrank me right now. I don't need a dead spouse to outrank me. And he tells her he doesn't date married women and leaves. Once again, storming out. And this is like, it's something that drives me crazy because I'm like, if you guys actually are adults. Have a conversation. What are your expectations? Use your words. Yeah, use your words. Because if Claire told him about the fact that she overheard the conversation he was having with her son and about how this is something his father should be having and the fact that it can't happen is what kind of sent her spiraling. I think he could sympathize and be like, oh, I Something triggered you. You just needed a moment of comfort. Mm -hmm. But like, and that's the thing too, is like Claire is very closed lipped when it comes Mm -hmm. to how she's feeling about coping with the first relationship since her husband died. And like, I think that Tristan, like he probably is aware of it. Like he also doesn't make it an effort to be like, maybe we should talk about this. Yeah. Like, let me know how you're feeling. It's like they don't. They just avoid. And it's like, this is a topic that is going to blow up if you don't get it under control. Back at Miles Media, Tristan must deal with his hair situation. Because remember, the wizard put (laughs) hair removal in the 
conditioner. So his hair is falling out. Yes. It's not like he's not bald, but it's like patchy and like thinning. (laughs) And so he walks into the office and like the girls that work there and like his brother are just making fun of him because his hair was like his asset and like a trademark thing for him. He had like a really good set of hair. Yeah. Like always really nice. And now it's visibly thinner. Like you can tell something is up. You can tell it's not right. (laughs) So thankfully, Jameson's PA sets him up with a haircut. Fletcher finds Tristan and asks him if he knows what's wrong with his mother because she's been really sad for a couple days. And Tristan says she's probably just missing your dad. Cut to Claire at her office. She's upset because she realizes she's falling in love with Tristan and has just potentially ruined a good thing. So she calls him and begs for them to meet up at their lunch hotel, which Tristan agrees to kind of reluctantly. At the hotel, Claire reveals to Tristan her feelings and hesitations about them being together. So they finally start to talk about it a little bit, but it's still not the extent of what it's a super be. satisfying conversation. And but she does reveal to him that like it's not just her heart on the line, it's also her kids' hearts too. It's like this is kind of a big package deal and she can't have it's them not, be heartbroken again. Right, it's not just her. She comes along with Three other humans mm-hmm. that she has to protect. Like, I can get that. I yeah. can understand it. Tristan lets her know that he is serious and he's not interested in anybody else. And they decide to give an actual relationship a go. But they're going to test drive it for a long weekend first. So she's going to spend like a three-day weekend with him in the city. And that means going to Tristan's New York penthouse apartment. Let's see what this billionaire has to offer us in uh, real estate, shall we? (laughs) A lot. His New York apartment is bigger than her whole home in Long Island. Nice. Claire gets let in by, like, Tristan's driver. And while Tristan's in a meeting and when he comes home, he finds a naked Claire soaking in his tub. Which leads to another sex scene. Cut to two hours later, they took their sex session to the bed. Thankfully. Though we did get a full written scene about them doing it in the tub. (laughs) And they're now finished. They're about to go out and get some dinner. So, like, they quickly put on, like, very casual clothes. Like, Tristan's just, like, in some basketball shorts or, like, sweats. And, like, he gives Claire some of his clothes. So they're very disheveled, freshly fucked. Love to see it. (laughs) And, you know, they hit the city to go find some takeout. When they get to the restaurant, they run into Tristan's ex-girlfriend, who still isn't over him, and still has a relationship with Tristan's mother. Love that. So this bothers Claire a little bit, and she inquires why they didn't work out. And Tristan tells her, because she's not you. Obviously, with romance novels, everything is going to be kind of exaggerated and not super realistic. Mm -hmm. Like, every time that I read one that has that kind of line where it's like, she wasn't you or whatever like i low-key love it but if but someone said that to me in real it. life i'd be like you're a piece of shit you're, you're ta- full of shit you're taking an easy way out to get me to like be like oh you're so yeah sweet. but i'm like answer the fucking question right right so i'm like swooning but then i'm like no wait <laughs> you're avoiding giving me real information here right an insight i, I would like i would like some like yeah i know she's not me we're different people <laughs> But, like, why did you break up? The next evening, Tristan takes Claire out for a fancy New York dinner. 
and we start to learn more about Tristan and his relationship with his brothers, and we find out his insecurity, which is he's doing a job he's not necessarily proud of. This was a very good little date, a way for them to actually kind of bond and get past surface level stuff. And then we cut to Claire and Tristan going to an art auction with Tristan's brothers, Christopher and Elliot. Elliot is the art lover, and he's there to buy a painting from his favorite reclusive artist. Elliot winds up having a connection with a strange blonde who may or may not have a connection to the artist in some way. And he winds up winning the bid for the painting, but misses a chance with the girl. So something that I'm just going to throw out here, but I just want to say it. I remember I came to your office because Alex and I worked together. I talked about this specific thinking, like, I think that is going to be that brother's, that girl is going to be that brother's love interest because it just like set it up so like, well, Mm -hmm. I then went and did some research to try to figure out who the love interests were with the other brothers, since this is a series and all the other brothers do have a book and it's not, I don't think, I don't think that that girl has any connection in the rest of the series. You may have to read it and find out. I know, but I like, from what I can like, I don't know. It, I haven't would it make read you, them. Would it make you mad if it wasn't? Yes. If she isn't somehow involved with that brother, I would have a big problem. But Meredith, yeah, let us know if you've read Elliot's book. Yeah, who the hell is his love interest? <laughs> now it's time for their weekend to come to an end, but they are both being in a relationship with each other. And they decide, you know, we're going to keep this going. Tristan joins Claire and her boys for a dinner out. And Tristan uses this opportunity to declare that Claire needs a boyfriend and how he should be the one to do it. So the other options are the mystery men from Paris, though the boys still don't 100% know that it was Tristan. Or Pilates Paul. Or Pilates Paul. After a funny but convincing argument, which winds up in a vote, Fletcher, Patrick, Tristan, and Claire vote yes to Tristan being the boyfriend. Harry votes for Pilates Paul. I really liked that. Like, I liked how they kind of had this conversation as a group because it does involve the kids, the kids as well. But I love Harry. I love that he's like, I'm just going to say Pilates Paul because I just can't condone my mom dating you. (laughs) And he's like, I just know that the Pilates Paul thing will break up anyways. So let's go that option. Yeah. But, you know, majority rules, majority rules. So, um. Tristan gets to be the boyfriend, so they are now official to the kids. When they return to to Claire's after dinner, Tristan is getting ready to leave, but Patrick freaks out, not wanting him to go because what if he gets hurt because of drunk drivers, which is how his father died. So Tristan agrees to stay the night because he can't stand seeing Patrick. Freaking out. And heartbroken. And also, like, the age that Patrick is... Like, I feel like that is my favorite age for kids in that age where they're not totally helpless, but they do still need, like, heavy parental guidance. And they still want it. And they still want it. and But they're like, but you can have conversations with them and they are human. Like, yeah. they're functioning. They can whatever. And, like, Patrick just tore on my heartstrings throughout this whole he book. He was so cute. So precious. And Claire winds up telling Tristan that she loves him, especially after seeing the way he handled Tristan calming Patrick down. She's like, yep, um, hook, line, and sinker, I'm in love with this man. 
There's no getting out of it now. And they have a little cuddle on the couch. Tristan and Fletcher are walking around New York and come across a hobby shop where Fletcher sees a model rocket that Harry has been obsessing over. And Tristan decides to buy it for him to be able to try to connect and find some common ground with the wizard. Back at his office, his mother shows up for a visit and confronts Tristan with how his ex-girlfriend has informed her that he's seeing someone. And she's very skeptical of this relationship with Claire, even though she's yet to meet her. Then we cut to Claire's office where her business is not doing so well and she's starting to regret not taking Gabriel's offer. When a package arrives for her, Tristan has sent her flowers with a note stating, I'm a very happy man today. Hashtag to be loved by you. That's cute. I'm a huge fan of flowers, so good job, Tristan. Marley sees this note and freaks out, demanding to know what is going on. And Claire finally informs her bestie of her new relationship status and how she's meeting his family on Saturday at a black tie dinner. So Marley decides it's time for some shopping and to be styled by a stylist. I like Marley. She knows what's up. She's like, Claire? This is a big fucking deal. We're going to get it together. We are going to get you looking like billion dollars. We're going to get you waxed and ready. At Claire's house, Tristan and the boys start working on the rocket. And while the kids are distracted, Tristan goes to the house and has a little quickie session with Claire. Turns out the salesman sabotaged the rocket building instructions. But good news, Tristan and the kids have bonded and Harry is actually starting to warm up to him. Time for Claire to get ready for the black tie dinner with the Miles family. A hairdresser is coming over to style Claire's hair, and Tristan is supposed to meet his brothers at a bar to watch a game. When the hairdresser arrives, however, he is a very attractive European man, and Tristan decides to stay to keep an eye on things. He does not want this attractive man alone with his woman, so he bails on his brother. And literally just like sits in the living room for like hours mm-hmm. by himself. <laughs> At the dinner, Claire starts to get overwhelmed meeting the Miles family and being thrilled by their questions. And since they're all in the media industry, like Tristan's dad knows Claire's ex-husband and they kind of start talking about him. So it's just very overwhelming. (laughs) Understandably so. Um, But thankfully, Claire winds up hitting it off with Jameson's wife, Emily, who provides some tension relief the evening and the two of them start to become very friendly and i do know that jamenson and emily are book one of this series Mm -hmm. so their story comes prior to claire and tristan two attractive men wind up joining the group sebastian garcia and spencer jones who apparently are in a different series of tl swan so it was kind of nice to have an introduction to these guys here? Yeah, and Meredith actually, when she reached out to us about her recommendations, she gave us two options by Tail Swan. She gave us the takeover, which we ended up doing, and Mr. Garcia, which is Sebastian Garcia. And after reading this, I am I would be very into reading Mr. Book. Garcia. Yeah, I, yeah, I do want to read that. So after the dinner, it's time to hit the town and go clubbing. It's been a very fun and slightly wild evening, and it comes to an abrupt halt when Claire receives a phone call that Harry is missing. When Tristan and Claire arrive at her house shortly after receiving the call, Harrison returns muddy and rained on and has lost his bike. Like, he was gone for the whole night. Mm-hmm. Like, they could not find him. Yeah, because 
Claire got the phone call probably at like 2, 3 a.m. They didn't make it back to Long Island for an hour. And also, this is kind of something that has happened before. Like, Harry is the troubled of the three, I would say. Like, yeah. he's the one that struggles the most. Like, he's the one that is disruptive in class. He's the one that gets sent to the principal's office. He's very wild. Can't really be tamed. But, like, him going missing for this amount of time is definitely worrisome. Like, this yeah. is definitely something that they're like, oh, my God. So, of course, he's in big trouble and gets sent to his room. Tristan takes it upon himself to find Harry's bike. And when he locates it, he realizes that Harry was at his dad's grave. That's where he ran off to. He ran off to go spend time with his dad. And I think that's like 15 miles Mm -hmm. away. It's about 15 miles. And he had his bike. Yeah. But But then it started storming. And that's how he like lost his bike. So Tristan decides to go have a a really sweet conversation with Harry about it. Like, hey, why didn't you tell your mom what you were actually up to? She would understand. Yeah, because Tristan, like, does some, like, detective work. He is able to trace exactly where, like, I think because someone calls and says that they found a phone or, like, he's calling the phone and someone answers Mm -hmm. the cell phone and they're like, oh, well, we found it near this area. And, like, Tristan personally, like, goes out there to investigate and realizes that Harry was at the graveyard. Yeah. But, like, Tristan really took the initiative and then, like, also approaches Harry being like, I know where you were. Like, why don't you tell your mom? Like, she would understand. Like, she'd still be mad that you snuck out. But, right. like, there's a reason. Like, that's a pretty decent reason. Yeah. But then he's kind of like, she gets really sad. And I don't want to upset her anymore. Because he's like, why don't you ask her to take you? And he's like, well, every single time that we go, she's sad for days after. And all she does is cry. And it's like, he's at that age where he knows that he doesn't want to inflict that pain on his mom. But, like, he also wants to feel close to his dad. Like, it's kind of heartbreaking. It like, is. it's really sad. So the next day, Tristan winds up picking Harry up from school and takes him to his dad's grave. Where they talk, share Wade's favorite cigar... And Harry winds up introducing Tristan to his father. So it's almost like he's finally giving his seal of approval to Tristan at this point. And Claire is in her own car and witnesses this whole interaction. Because she kind of follows them, right? Yeah. I think she was probably going to go pick. Either she was going to go pick Harry up or she was just having a moment of weakness where she probably needed to visit her husband's grave and talk. And then they were there. Yeah. It's not really explained why she was there. It just, like, cuts and she's there. Okay. So that's my thought process. Okay. I I liked the scene with Harry and Tristan and Wade. It definitely, like, pulled on the heartstrings a little bit. Oh, definitely. And it pulled on Claire's because she's fallen more in love with Tristan after this. Yeah. And, like, it's funny because I think Claire, in when it's her point of view, she is kind of like, ah, why is he smoking a cigar? But then she's kind of like... Well, Trist- like it was Wade's, like Wade was a huge cigar person, cigar smoker. And it was like something that she could see them doing, like if he was still alive in the future. And like, so she kind of like lets it slide. Like, it's just a really cute moment, though, it between is. the two of them. When Tristan goes back to his office, it turns out that Muffcat pissed in his overnight bag. And he smells like pee. <laughs> <laughs> and he winds up getting a visit from his mother. So if the day couldn't get any worse for him. 
And his mom wants him to visit the ex-girlfriend that broke him, Mary. And if he can visit her and tell his mother that he doesn't have feelings for Mary anymore, then she will give Tristan her blessing of being with Claire. Cause this she's is fucked. It's really fucked because she's like telling Tristan that he's a fixer. And the only reason why he's with Claire is because he sees Claire as a project and something to fix. And that the reason it didn't work with Mary is because she didn't need fixing. So he kind of, like, didn't really think that it was worth it. And I think that he almost kind of has this light bulb moment where he's like, oh, my gosh, maybe that is Is correct. Yeah. But, like, it's still really shitty on his mom's end. Yeah. Being like, go and see your ex who you, like, never really got over and who never really got over you. And, yes, and again, this is a, someone, this is like, a, another ex. This isn't the same ex they ran into. Right. Out, out, and we find out that like Tristan's mom is still friends with like all his exes. Was I think is really shitty. Yeah, like cut those. I could strings. understand maybe being friends with like one or like I could understand the Mary. Yeah, because it seemed like they kind of dated for a while. They had a really good connection. She was kind of a, a part of the family a little bit. It just didn't work out. Yeah. But like, the first ex that they run into, like, she kind of was just, like, a fling. Yeah, and for his mom to still talk to her and apparently talk to all his exes, that's, I don't like that. Like, I could see the girls trying to stay in touch with the mom because they know it's kind of their mm-hmm. in and, like, not wanting to let Tristan go. But, but she should shut that, that down. Right, the fact that her, she kind of, like, allows it. Did not I'm like, like that. girl. Oh, and to top it off, she wants him to do this meet with Mary this day. Like, now. She's, I've I've already arranged it. Yeah. Go and meet her. Mary's expecting your phone call. Like, the fuck? Thanks, Mom. And so he has to cancel plans that he has with Claire to do this little mission for his mother. Fletcher overhears the conversation between Tristan and his mom. So Fletcher winds up informing Claire about what's going down. And then also the text that he sent her being like, I, something came up or whatever. He's very vague about why he's canceling. And she's very suspicious because she hasn't seen anything like this from him before. So it, it, it almost makes him seem suspicious. Yeah. I mean, he is. And then when Fletcher tells him what it is, Claire is aware of who Mary is. And she knows that Mary is like the big heartbreak. Like ex. the one who got away. Mm-hmm. Quotations, you know, that type of thing. So now she's... Starting to spiral a little bit. Who can blame her? I would be spiraling so hard. And so Claire, it's the middle of the night. She hasn't been able to sleep because she's just tossing and turning and worrying about this. Feel that? Relatable. (laughs) And I kind of liked Claire in this moment because she's like, you know what? If Mary really is the one for him, great. Like, she will support it. But she also is like, but I love him. And this is kind of. It would hurt. She's like, but I understand why he would need to do this. Thankfully, Tristan returns to Claire. And not only did he just return home to Claire, he turned in his, like, sports car, like his Aston Martin, like... Two-door. Two-door. Fast-ass sports car. And comes back with a Range Rover, like, a bigger SUV. He bought a new car for the family, and he reassures Claire that she's the one for him. Not Mary. Which I mean, like, snaps to Tristan for, like, kind of. And you know, I don't know if this is actually his thought process, but you know, like, he went and saw his ex girlfriend, 
realized that she was definitely not the one. And, like, he probably was even feeling more guilty. So he was like, let me trade in my sports car and really make this statement. Like, that I'm going to be the family man. Right. That I am, like, all in. And then shows up, like, with a Range Rover. And honestly, I would rather have a man with a Range Rover than an <laughs> Aston Martin anyway. So. Same. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> Good job, Tristan. So the next morning, Claire and Tristan have a talk with the boys that Tristan is moving in. And Harry presents his grade on a paper that him and Tristan were working on, which is a failing grade. Like, big failing. It was like a 30% or something. (laughs) And Tristan goes into mad dad mode. Bro, he goes berserk. He is like, this is ridiculous. I helped you work on this. I read it myself afterwards. This does not deserve this kind of grade. We're going to find out what the fuck is going on. Because apparently Harry's teacher always gives him these sort of grades and remarks and is always sending him out of class. Targeting him. Yeah. So Tristan's going to get to the bottom of this. So him, Claire, and Harry go to the school. And Claire's just kind of like, I want nothing to do with this situation. But she's the actual parent so she kind of has to go and i like how i think how this chapter starts off is like it's in claire's point of view and she's like she says something about dating a powerful man and knowing when to take a step back and and let let him him do his thing and it's like this is that instance where it's like she just needs to kind of take a back seat and whatever he needs to say and do she just gotta let it let it go like let him do his thing so he does he goes and demands a meeting with the principal, the vice principal, the teacher, and he's the be- board, the board of education. <laughs> he's like he is going in takeover business mogul. And also, like I got the vibe that this was very much a public school yeah. in Long Island. Like this is just you know public school in Long Island, but he goes in guns a blazing. Oh, definitely. The result is the administration and the teacher get scathing reviews from Tristan, and he will be forwarding all this information to the Board of Education, and he winds up pulling the boys out of the school and enrolling them in a private school in the city. I think he overstepped a lot here. Was this kind of needing to be done? Yes, but this wasn't his plan at this point in stuff. I mean, I definitely think that it it warrants an actual conversation. Yeah. Because these aren't his kids. They're his girlfriend's kids. Tristan shouldn't have just done with, all of this. Without a conversation with the actual parent right. of the children. Right. But like it, it he also, was he was in the his heart was in the right place. It was just overstepping. But it like also low-key broke my heart because there's this conversation where I think Claire maybe like asks or maybe it's Tristan being like, well, Harry, aren't you going to, like, miss your friends? And he was like, well, I don't, I don't really have any. He's like, I sit alone all day, every day. He's like, all my friends are at the skate park and, like, with his sports, not actually at his school. He needs to be pulled out of the school. And, like, Tristan really did the right thing. He just went about it in the wrong way. Right. But you need to – you can't just, yeah, go zero to 100 when it's not even your kids. Yeah. And just not ha- – again, the conversations around – These big, important topics just don't happen. Right. Then we get a time jump, and Tristan has been living with the Andersons for seven months, and things seem to be going quite well. Until one day, Tristan surprises Claire and the boys 
for the tour of a large new house in the city that he wants to buy and move everyone into. And he also informs Claire that he wants to adopt kids when they get married. Oh, also, Tristan has enrolled them into a very private, expensive, obviously very elite school that they in New York, you mentioned before, but like they also get chauffeured by a limousine. Like, so they're living this very extravagant, like Upper East Side life that Wade never wanted for like the family. They probably have money because they own their own business. I mean, I know that they're struggling now, but when Wade was still alive, they were doing pretty well. But he never wanted them to be those privileged, wealthy kids who had everything kind of handed. He wanted them to kind of live a normal... Which is why they lived in Long Island and did the public school. The public school and stuff like that. And then Tristan kind of swoops in and... Is giving them this hoity-toity echelon elite Upper East Side. He probably thinks he's doing everyone a favor. And, like, he probably doesn't see anything wrong with what he's giving. Because, again... They haven't had this fucking conversation. (laughs) Right. They like, they have conversations, but not about things that they should actually be talking about. Like these very important kind of deal breaker topics. It's kind of like swept under the rug and not really talked about. And so Claire is completely blindsided and like kind of slapped in the face with like, all of this at once. And and she's been feeling this way for a while. Like, yeah. you know, her kids are already enrolled in the school that they didn't want. He's picking them up and taking them in a limo. Like And she can kind and she's kind of a little okay with this because she's like, all right, at the end of the day, it is better for them because they're getting good education. They're getting good education and what was happening at the public school wasn't good. So I can deal with this piece. But now you're having me completely abandon my life. And then you say you also want to adopt. And, like, I think that Claire's focal point with the adoption is that, like, if her and Tristan weren't to work out, he would have legal rights of her kids because he adopted them. Mm-hmm. And, like, she is just not willing And she also to give feels like this is kind of the last piece of Wade being cut out, which I could kind of understand her, her train of thought. But also at the same time, it's like Wade is always going to be their biological father. Yeah. But he is not alive. It is okay if another person wants to step in and take on that fatherly role if he is the correct, if this is someone you actually marry. Because that was Tristan's thing. He's like, if I marry you, I want to adopt them and they be my kid. It's not like he's saying this with the father still being alive and like in their life. Right. He's dead. Right. There is no seeing Wade. There is no Wade being in their lives in any way moving forward. And you have to. Up until this point, Tristan has been pretty respectful about Wade. Like, I mean, he freaking takes Harry to see him. See him. Yeah. So it's like, clearly Tristan's not going to be like, there will be no mentions of Wade ever again. I am the father now. Like, he doesn't come across as that type of person. So Claire taking it as... As that way? It's kind of like, Claire, you need to kind of... Check yourself. But again, I know you're in your feels. But all this could have been avoided with a conversation about it. Like, how hard would it be for Tristan to be like, hey, I've been potentially, like, looking at other houses. How do you feel about that? Like, I understand that he wanted this to be a surprise and, like, he thought it was a good surprise. (laughs) But it wasn't. Yeah, but he didn't do enough thinking to be like, how is this going to come across to her? It's a lot at once. And so I can't blame her for being overwhelmed. 
and feeling this and way freaking out in yeah. the moment but like if everybody just kind of took a step back and took a breather and had a conversation we wouldn't be in the situation that's about to happen which is claire putting a stop and calling everything off and she says some pretty hurtful things to tristan and they're both yeah she pretty much is like you aren't their father you and you will never, never be their father like they are my kids they are not they yours. are Wade's kids like you are overstepping your bounds there's no way in hell i would ever sign off on that i mean she hits below the belt like she hits him where she knows it's going to hurt because he's formed bonds with the kids yeah like he does look at them as his his and being like i am their parental male figure now which and he loves them yeah and in his mind he's thinking like i already am the parent he's just doing the next logical thing and wants to get things solidified so if anything were to happen to them to claire to him they could be looked after but he also isn't coming from the like the perspective of the widow Whose kids, like, if he was the widow and this woman was coming and wanting to adopt his kids, he's not thinking of that perspective. He's really just thinking about where he's at. Yeah. And then it leads to Claire being like, bye. Fuck you, get out. And he is like, fuck you, I'm leaving. And not only is he leaving, he's moving to Paris. Yeah, I think Fletch calls her and is like, Tristan is leaving and is not coming. He's like, my internship has been moved to Jameson what the fuck are you doing mom so yeah fletcher has this like what the fuck conversation kind of gives his mom like a slap in the face to be like you're ruining this not only for yourself but for us we love tristan and want tristan and that is something that i really do enjoy about this book and love is the growth of the kids with Mm -hmm. tristan and how at this point they are actually like mom why are you pushing him away? Like We want him too. <laughs> like, this isn't now just you. Like, it's us. And, like, it's her whole fears are, like, coming to be, like, reality because she's almost, like, manifested and made it happen. Yeah. Because of her fears. So Claire races to the airport to try to get her man back. She does catch him in the terminal parking lot area. And they have a conversation about Tristan wanting to adopt the kids if they get married. Because it's something that's important to him. And it's just something Claire is not ready to have happen. So he bids her farewell. Boards that plane. And goes to Paris. Two weeks later, Tristan receives an email from Claire agreeing to sell her company to Miles Media. And he's like, I didn't know things were that bad. Because that was something Claire wouldn't talk to him about. She was trying to keep that and I can under I can understand because I also feel like Claire is a very like strong person and doesn't want... Because she was dating this guy who had the means to, like, save her. And, I mean, that's how they met is him wanting to buy out her company. But she didn't – she didn't want to be perceived as weak. Like, she wanted Tristan to look at her as this, like, strong woman, as, like, this owner and – CEO and businesswoman. Of this company. And, like – but all all she had to do is, like, tell him. Harry and Patrick are supposed to have a weekend fishing getaway with their uncle – but it turns out they have duped everyone. Bro, they played Claire and her brother and so Fletcher. hard. And Fletcher so hard. Because Tristan receives a phone call from the hotel front desk that he has visitors. And it's Patrick and Harry. They're in freaking Paris, y'all. <laughs> they took Tristan's credit card and bought plane tickets. 
boarded a plane, flew themselves to and Paris. said, we're going to get our, our substitute daddy back. Yeah. So Tristan calls Claire, who's frantic about the boys running away and being missing, and he lets her know that they're with him. So this sparks Claire and Fletcher having to take a trip to Paris to retrieve Harry and I also, Patrick. I loved this interaction when Tristan is now informed that Harry and Patrick are in freaking France, and he like rushes down and he like goes and like rushes them and hugs them and is like, "Oh my god, like I love you." Like, but that was so fucking. What stupid. are you doing? Like, you're so, like you can't do that. But it's also like very loving, but also like y'all can't do, do this. this. <laughs> like, this is bad shit. But they're kind of like we missed you. We missed you, and like we want to stay with you, and like. Like, just because our mom gave you up doesn't mean we gave you up. Right, because they're like, we've come to move with you. <laughs> like, we picked you. <laughs> but that is also Claire's legit as to one of the big reasons why she didn't want Tristan to adopt them. Because if they went south, the possibility of, like, having to split the time. Yep. But they made it safe. Somehow, they were able to get through customs as unaccompanied minors. And find their way to the hotel that he's staying at? How did they even know where he was at? I think they probably called his driver. Like, they knew enough about Tristan to, like, have all probably. of this be with, like, Tristan's resources. Probably. But still, they're, like, young. They're children. This ordeal causes Claire and Tristan to reconnect and pick back up their relationship. Because they were just both, like, miserable without each other. Just going through the motions. And they kind of let it all happen. And then, you know, she's seeing how much her boys actually do love him and actually do want him to be a part of their lives. So she's kind of like, it's going to be okay. So they just, they, they rekindle the romance. And as a family, they enjoy a good little weekend in Paris. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> You're already there. <laughs> Might as well enjoy it. Like, Harry and Patrick They can be grounded are... when they get back to the States. Yeah. <laughs> They're still in trouble, but also... Also, like, thanks for getting, like, these adults to short, sort their shit out. And they kind of pulled together. a parent trap. They did. Then we get a time jump. Everyone is back in New York. And Tristan is taking the boys out for a secret mission to pick out an engagement ring for Claire as he's going to propose to her over their Christmas holiday. When Tristan proposes, of course, Claire says yes and gives Tristan his own present, which is news that she is pregnant. Two weeks later... Tristan is at his brother's office and gives his resignation as he's going to help out Anderson Media until the time comes when his boys are men and can take over the company for themselves. The end. That was the takeover by TL Swan. Uh, I like how it ended. I like how Tristan obviously has incorporated, has like bought out Anderson Media. And he's going to help. But he's like going to help bring it back Fletch, to like yeah like former glory so then it can go down to Fletcher and Patrick and Harry and they can run, run it, it just like their dad wanted oh I liked that ending it was really good we are now going to do a little bit more in-depth smutty time talk yes because this book was heavy spice because this book is also over 430 pages and I felt because you listened to it mm -hmm. the first time and I read it the first time and I felt like it was a lot of smut. Without further ado, let's just jump into our... Alex and I decided that we're going to choose two of our favorite scenes from the sections that we covered. So the first sex scene that I chose as one of my top 
for this book is at the conference hotel room. So this is like the first time that they are getting it on. So remember, Tristan and Claire are at that conference in Paris or conference in France. Mm -hmm. And he's finally convinced her to give in to him. And this is kind of what happens. So Tristan commands Claire to take off all of her clothes. Then it's his turn. He finds out that she hasn't had sex since her husband died, which is five years ago. Claire is feeling body conscious and Tristan runs his hands over and points out her cellulite, her stretch marks, her C-section scar, her little stomach pooch and slightly saggy boobs and tells her that she is beautiful just the way she is. He lets her know he has his own insecurities, but his are just internal versus external. Then he starts to finger her and suck on her boobs and tell her to spread her legs. He continues to finger bang her and wants her to clench around his fingers so he can get a preview of what he's going to feel around his dick since they only have that one condom. He points out her pussy is perfect and Claire tells him to shut up and fuck her, then proceeds to tell him mid-session he has an ugly sex face, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. (laughs) Tristan tells Claire she needs to come because he's about to finish. Claire isn't ready yet. And Tristan finishes. He then tells her there's another way that they could have sex that won't result in her getting pregnant. And Claire responds with, forget it. You only get one go. That was a good one. Other than I got very cringy when he was like, you know, grabbing at her like stomach pooch and like pointing out her the C-section scar and like stretch marks and stuff. Like I get that was powerful, but it also... I cringed as a reader during that. Just Did you? I didn't like it. I didn't necessarily. Like, especially when he grabbed the lower stomach. I was like, if someone did that to me, fucking slap someone or bow them in the face. But, like, reading it, I didn't. How I kind of read it and interpreted it, though, was it being very quick. And yeah. just being like, I love, like. I love the body positivity that right he was giving her. Everything else about that scene was great. Was just that part, I was like, nah. So my next favorite sex scene in the first half of the book is in the hotel room in New York the night that Tristan runs into Claire and Gabriel out having just very platonic day. So this is what happens. (laughs) So Claire is laying on bed naked waiting for Tristan when he enters the room and states, playing hard to get, I see. And Claire responds with, I am hard to get, but tonight I'm easy to fuck. Loved that line. And, like, this is just kind of the stuff that you see a lot of throughout this book. The bant is beautiful. Yes. Claire wants to be in control because the chemistry between the two of them feels too good and natural, and it scares her. Tristan, however, gets down on his knees in front of Claire and says how he has missed her pussy and begins to kiss it and go down on her. It's also time for Claire to receive her punishment for trying to end things with Tristan, and Tristan starts pounding hard into her, slaps her ass. He then informs her that they don't end until they end. They both finish, and Claire is starting to regret this hookup and wants to go home. So obviously at the beginning and part of this book, it was a lot more give and take before they actually established their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like Claire definitely felt a lot of guilt and remorse after every time she like hooked up with Tristan, which is kind of understandable. It's the first yeah. person she's had sex with since her husband died. But those were just two scenes. So, like, as Alex has stated, this book has a lot of smut, but it's nothing crazy where it's not, like, public. It's not – there's no knife or gunplay. There's no, like – There's really no kinks in this. No. It's just 
good old sexy time. <laughs> good old fashioned fucking. <laughs> good old fashioned fucking, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, tell me what which two smutty scenes were your favorite in the second portion of the pie. So, my first favorite is when Tristan has purchased the rocket for him and the kids to build, and they're like off doing that and he comes back in and he starts off telling Claire I need to be fucked tonight coming in hot and she's like how am I gonna do that and he's like I don't know get creative it's like on the couch in the laundry in my car on the street for all I care you need to fuck me and she starts to tease him she's like your car's too small and he's like I, I don't care fuck me now then while we're in your room and then she's like, but the children. The children. But the children. He's like, they're distracted and busy. Do something. He's like, why do you think half the reason I bought this freaking rocket? <laughs> so then he like starts to take a different approach. And he's like, so you love me? And she's like, I do. And he's like, fuck me like you hate me. And she can't say no to this. Who could say no to this? So then they could do like a quick little, they have a quick session in her room where he's has her on like the edge of the bed like he's sitting on the bed and like he has her like bouncing up and down on and they're trying to stay silent to not alert the children to what is happening upstairs yeah and as they're pounding it out tristan's like fuck me fuck me harder because again you know fuck me like you and she whispers i hate you and he's like "Ooh, but that sounds a lot like i love you like i hate you too (laughs) i did like this scene and then he's like hate me harder yeah, this is good. And then she winds up asking him, like, did you buy my children a spaceship so that we'd have time to sneak away and have sex? And he's like, absolutely. 100%. Like, I knew it was going to be beneficial for multiple reasons. And then they finish it. She's like, mm, too bad you got to go build that rocket now. Yeah, go, sweetie. This isn't. Go back and help the kids. This isn't going to be one of those hour, multiple hours long sessions that they normally get to have. She's like, you got to go bond with the kids. Okay. Thanks for the orgasm, though. Appreciate it. Love you, mean it, bye. That was a good one. I love their banter and just like the dirty talking. It's great. It is. Next one I like is when they're in Paris at the end when the boys have run away and they've reconnected and Claire's kind of broken down and it's like that night when um, Claire and Fletcher have arrived and Tristan and Claire are together and it's just a very passionate well it's them like reconnecting right like it's two weeks of them being broken up after seven months of bliss like relationship bliss that just exploded from one major miscommunication and just claire holding and keeping everything inside and pressed deep Mm -hmm. and it's just exploding yeah so they're like laying in bed and he's like holding her and he's like Kissing her forehead, which I love a forehead kiss. And he's like, let me in. I don't want you to have to go through anything alone anymore. And she's crying, but she realizes she's missed him so much. So then she starts like sliding her hand down his boxers and like starts, you know, give him a little handy J and is like, I need you. And then he takes her face in his hands and starts to like slowly and seductively kiss her and they you know slowly start taking their clothes off and then he starts to finger bang her because he does that a lot throughout this book and he's like i know how to relax you baby and starts getting all up in there doing all the good things because apparently tristan miles is the king of finger fucking 
according to Claire. And he gives it to her good before they get into the intercourse. And it, that scene was really more about that piece. You don't really get a whole lot with the sex stuff other than just like, I need you. Fuck me. I missed you. But it's like, it's it's that nice, like, finally coming back together. They're going to be stronger than ever. Yeah. Who doesn't like that type of sex scene? So we had a good hate fuck and then a good I love you Love you, you like, from the second yes. half. I liked both of those. And I think that T.L. Swan does a really good job at writing a smutty scene. It's the build heavily peppered through. The sex scenes, because the sex scenes aren't super long. Like, where some of the other books, we get, like, multiple chapters of, like, the same sex scene. Sex scene, where T.L. Swan will kind of break it up, like, hours later or right whatnot so then the actual graphic descriptions are only like maybe a couple pages but when sometimes you also, only a paragraph but i like the variation right but then like something you said when you add in all the like pre the build-up to that moment i mean it, it is long like yeah. when you when you look at the sex scenes from the time that they are starting to like have that sexual conversations of like the hate bands or like just the sexy bands all the way through. Or even just like the seduction. But then when you include that with the actual, actual smutty. Then it's a long scene. It just feels like you're only reading smut. Yeah. But it is cool like going back and kind of seeing, oh, it really wasn't that much. That much. It's just how she wrote into those scenes. Mm -hmm. Increases that pleasure, increases that intensity. But if you are interested and you haven't read this book, we definitely left a lot out out for the reader so you're still gonna get some good surprises exactly so alex do we want to move into our love and hates let's get into it sweet i have feelings on this book i did too and i'm glad we had feelings because that's what we're here for that's the whole thing of emotions and potions we need to have the emotions yeah so something i loved with this book the biggest thing i loved with this book was tristan's relationship progression with the kids Oh my gosh, that's what I have too. Yes. And that's one of the things that when we were just doing our plot breakdown, something that stood out to me, even just like listening to the plot breakdown and remembering, remembering. that like. So good. So good. Because it goes and from. so like, realistic too. Because it's like, this is definitely like an enemies to lovers type of book, but it's also like an enemies type of to, to love. Friends. Like, but like for the kids, they, yeah. they all start pretty much as enemies besides Patrick. But yeah, I love how at the beginning they're like, they can't stand Tristan. like, And then they're like, no, we choose him. And yeah. so I will say one of my like main loves and hates kind of going on that was I really liked specifically, I loved Patrick. I thought he was the cutest little kid ever. And I love how him and Tristan's relationship was always on a good Kind of piggyback off of that. Another thing I loved was like the realistic timeline and nature of events. Oh my gosh. I had that written down too. Yeah, I just liked that it was very realistic even from the get. It was like a few days, a few weeks in between them like running into each other. And then you do get that like time jump of them being in a relationship. And then you also get a two week time jump from the time when that falls apart. Like, you know me, I like a timeline that makes sense and is somewhat realistic. I thought that this was spot on. Yeah. And I also thought like how they, the things they had to deal with along the way of their relationship was 
realistic. Like you're going to have issues with the kids accepting his family kind of being hesitant about things. this relationship. Yeah. One other thing that I really liked, it's kind of a love hate. I enjoy a book that inflicts feelings. Mm-hmm. So like with this book, there were parts where I was like visibly laughing out loud, like specifically when Harry, like the hair loss with so Harry funny. putting the stuff in the conditioner. Like I thought like I was visibly like laughing out loud. And then even though at the end of the book, when Claire was falling apart and ruining the relationship, even though I was fucking pissed at her and being like, girl, this was so avoidable. It still pulled at my, t- my heartstrings because like I haven't ever been married and I haven't lost a husband to death, but like, I just felt for her. Yeah. I felt like the she, empathy and how you treat characters is real. Yeah. And I just was like, oh my God, like this poor girl going through this, like I couldn't even imagine. And so like at that point, even though it annoyed me, even though it was avoidable and it pissed me off because I'm like, this doesn't even have to be happening. I was like tearing up because mm-hmm. I was like, I feel so bad for Claire trying to navigate all these feelings there's a lot of emotional whiplash in this yeah more so than i was expecting but because even with tristan there was moments where i absolutely loved tristan and then absolutely right and it was something that i talked about you with off the pod about how like as we were kind of checking in with each other as we were reading it or i'm just like i'm 50 50 with both of these main characters and i don't know how i feel about that right because you're like they do one thing that i really love but then they turn around and do something where i'm like i hate that why yes this book had a lot of emotions but if you can pull out a reader like if you can get me in my feels i mean i went through the gambit of things so like i mean props to tl swan on that yeah fantastic i will say another thing i loved was the miles brothers relationship with each other and then like marley and emily as side characters. i really liked marley emily seemed very sweet too it kind of makes me be like we want to read her and Jameson's book yeah because I do know that her and Jameson I think she starts working for him and he's this like tyrant boss and And you get glimpses of that within right and then they they fall in love and and I'm all for like an office romance like who doesn't love a love like a love like a office romance love right but yeah I do like their dynamic and the brothers I liked how they all had that like close bond brotherly connection but they all they were all different yes they had different kind of quirks they had different qualities and things that they were good at that if we decided to reread like if we decided to read this full series i don't think we would get bored with the characters yeah because each brother is different enough that i kind of want to know more about them right and my last love and this is more of a personal thing and not necessarily anything to do with the book but i am obsessed with my casting choices for this book like i feel like i hit it on the and i like love my casting for we did Claire, Tristan, and Marley. Those mm-hmm. were our three castings. And I just feel like I chose people who I could actually be like, these are the visual representations of these characters. And like, this is the first time that I've felt so strongly. I'm excited to hear this later. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear this later. Though. So my last love is kind of like a two of my favorite scenes within the whole book. I loved the art auction and then the um, nightclub scene with the Miles boys and the London boys. Kind of like merging these two series. I liked those moments a lot. And I'm a fan of those in series when you have overlapping, like if you're an author and you're writing two different series, but they do overlap. 
I like getting glimpses of those overlaps. And I think that T.L. Swan did a good job where it wasn't too much. Mm -hmm. but It was just a taste because even... Because I remember that I had gone to this point before you. Yep. So I had already passed this point. Then you had texted me being like, is it just me? Or does like the Garcia character sound like really hot? And like, I'm interested in that. And I was like, girl, as soon as I read that scene, I was like, I kind of want to read Mr. Garcia now. Because I was like, <laughs> he sounds hot. Like, Yeah, I want, I want to read his book. <laughs> but yeah, those are some really good loves. Mm -hmm. Before we go on a hate. I do have one thing I wish was. So I wanted more with the Gabriel dynamic. I thought that could have been a really good tension point between Claire and Tristan's relationship. And it felt like it was building to that. And then it wasn't that big of a deal. So for one of my hates I had, I wish there were more plots involving other side characters. So for the, like the... One that I, the example I wrote down was Marley was seen a lot, but we really don't know anything about her. And that kind of falls with Gabriel too. Because I remember sitting in your office talking about what we think this plot is going to be. Like, what is going to be the catalyst? What is going to be the big, like, issues for yeah. these characters? Because we really went into this book, because we really went into this book blind because we wanted to for Meredith. Right. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> and so we really didn't know. And, like, one of the things that we talked about was, like, thinking that Gabriel was, like, going to somehow screw maybe Claire over and, like, Tristan would have to come in and, like, get her out of it. Or, like, I don't know. I just was kind of let down that we had and were shown so many of these characters. There were but, different like, potential things and issues that could have happened that furthered along the plot. Like, I think that the – so, for me, I thought that the plot was a little weak in this book. Yeah. For being 430 pages. As far as like external plot stuff, like driving factors of the relationship. Really the plot was the relationship. And I'm just used to reading things that have a little bit more plot or like, I guess it's just because I'm such a dark romance reader at this point where a lot of the books that I read have very intense plot points and that are the catalysts on the relationship. Whereas this book is more relationship. And I was looking at it through a different lens versus what actually I should have been. But once I kind of got over that and accepted it for what it is, I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. I have closure. Like, I'm not mad that I didn't get some kind of, like, backstab. That's definitely one of my hates, too, how there just wasn't enough external plot for how long the book. And for most of the plot to be the focus of the relationship between Tristan and Claire, the story could have been shorter. Could have cut out, like, a hundred. And I, going on to that, I feel like when we finally did start to get into some, like, plot at the end where the couple kind of, like, blow up, which is that big catalyst, which happens in every romance novel, just in different ways, I just thought that that was very quick and just, like, kind of came out of nowhere, where I thought that maybe the buildup could have been a little bit smoother. Yeah. Because it was, like, the first half of the book was very little plot. Like, it was very much just their relationship. Her kids briefly mentioning that, like, she's struggling with her company. But then all of a sudden at the end, it's like, oh, we're going under. But it's like... That came out of nowhere. Really, like, we haven't really seen Claire, like, do anything yeah. with the company. But also, maybe this book, that's not the point. What, the, what the author wanted. Yeah. Which is fine, too, because I thought that this book was decent. Like, it is a decent book. Mm -hmm. But I just, 
I saw some missed opportunities where Same. for the length of the book, I was expecting a, a little bit more development from things outside of the romance part. Yeah. And then also, I think both of us, I think this is going to be one that's on both of our lists. It's a little repetitive. Yeah. Especially the hot and cold and how many times they break up. It's and then it becomes a little irritating. And then something else we both saw is that so you would have a scene with Tristan and Claire where, like, say they were going through, like, one of their breakups. So they were arguing. You kind of see this whole thing. And then the next chapter is, like, Claire with Marley. And we pretty much get that whole thing stated over, over again. Yeah, a lot of dialogue gets repeated. So it's just, like, and that's where, like, 100 pages could have been cut out. Mm-hmm. Like, as a reader, we don't need those types of details to be played from one chapter to the next yeah and because we had a conversation about it because i mostly listen so to me like the repeating dialogue was very evident listening Listening to it so i i was wondering if you picked up on it reading it and i think that it's less annoying reading it than maybe the audio but i definitely picked up being like okay we've kind of established this it doesn't need to be reset reset in just a different context and speaking of the audio, I did not like the mailman. I had you listen to a sample of it because I know you don't really like audiobooks. But I was like, does this voice sound like Tristan? No, it sounds more like a blue collar, hardworking, does like, not sound like cowboy. A billionaire scene. Not and a- that's kind of trippy. Yeah. Like, I need a, if I was listening to it, I would need a voice that I could picture. I didn't mind Claire's voice. Claire, the voice actor for Claire, she was fine. It was just. And not to say that the voice actor for Tristan was bad. He just wasn't bad. I, I just didn't like his voice. Yeah. Like, I think when we talked about it, because you played me a clip, and we were both like, this would be a great, like, birthday girl. Pike Lawson. Pike Lawson. Like, construction worker. Like, blue collar. Military romance. Even, like, um, maybe even, like, an athlete. Or something, but like this, not the savvy. Like this, Swab speaks yeah. multiple languages. Like upper crust New Yorker person. No, right. I feel that, and that's like a petty thing. Very, and petty. that's just like a personal thing. But I can also relate. And that has I, probably nothing to do with TL Swan. That's probably more like publishers and right. whatever. So one thing that I did hate about like the plot towards the end, I really didn't enjoy. The Claire not telling Tristan about her failing company plot line and how Same. he receives like this letter being like, I've come to the decision that I'm going to accept your offer and like taking over my company or whatever. I'm like, Claire, I understand that you wanted to be seen as this bad bitch and as a strong bitch, but also you're struggling and you have someone bad in your corner. Bad bitches can ask for help. Right. Bad bitches can ask for help, especially when they have someone in their corner who could actually fucking help yeah, and, and do it in a way that is going to benefit you. Yeah, and give you advice without actually, like... Taking over. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like... I was just kind of annoyed that that was, like, the huge catalyst. That one of them. Because, I yeah. mean, him overstepping his bounds with the kids, definitely I could see being a catalyst. But, like, this was all on Claire. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, girl, grow a pair and ask for help. And then kind of, like, my last hate is how much Claire was still pining after her husband. Because, like, five years of him being dead is a significant amount of time. To start getting to the point where, like, you could actually start considering moving on. And I understand her having doubts and, like, slipping up throughout that. But just how much pining. Well, it's obvious that she didn't do the care and, like, the self-care that's needed to get over the trauma of losing your husband young. 
in a very dramatic, unexpected way. Yeah. Like, it's obvious that she just, like, was almost living in denial about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, accepting it at the same time? It was, it was just too much. Like, I could understand it. I just, if it was, if we didn't have as many tiny for Wade moments. Because that was- also kind of, like, had me struggling a little. Because, like, what you said, where you're, like, at some points you really like Tristan, at other points you really don't like Tristan. But then the fact that Claire was still obviously very in love and, like, having love for her ex-deceased husband also kind of, as a reader, like, conflicted me a little bit. Because yeah. I'm, like, but I'm supposed to be rooting for, for these her. two people. Yeah. But she's obviously, like, her and Wade had this fantastic relationship. Nothing was wrong. They were soulmates. <laughs> but now it's, like, you have to... Also adjust to the fact that this story this isn't about person. them. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt very much like Claire and Wade's story for a lot of it. And I mean, I've never been married, never right. had to go through this. So maybe it'll resonate with someone who has been in this situation more than someone who hasn't. Who hasn't. So those were our loves and hates from The Takeover by T.L. Swan. <laughs> so time to get into some extra fun things with the pod casting call at some point i would love to have a segment of audio where we play for casting calls where it's like a little song that's like (laughs) casting calls casting calls something you know what i mean that would mean we made it yes (laughs) (laughs) but yes let's move into our casting calls for this book i'm super excited i've already kind of that's one of your loves given away that i'm really excited so if you don't like my castings don't tell me (laughs) I will physically fight you. <laughs> Just kidding. But like. But also not. But also, my casting is awesome. <laughs> do you want me to start? Please do. Okay. So for my Claire, I chose the wonderful Mandy Moore. She fits the age demographic. She face. She fits the aesthetic mm-hmm. of kind of what T.L. Swan describes, and also just from her in This Is Us. I just she feel would like be she a really good Claire. And like Mandy Moore, like, she's classy. Like, she's, she's an adult, yeah. but she's also freaking hot. Like, she just fits. She can still get it. Yeah, I just really like her as Claire. So who is your Claire, Alex? So my Claire is Rachel McAdams. I mean, you could cast Rachel McAdams as anyone and I would be okay with it. <laughs> she also kind of gives me that Mandy Moore vibe. And she's also just a really great actress, so she, I feel like she could do that whole range with, like, the emotional bits and, like, you know. And she's been brunette. Like, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, normally she's blonde, but, like, she pulls off the brunette and, like, yeah. she could fit that character description. And Rachel McAdams is just a fantastic choice for anything. <laughs> Can't go wrong with her. No. So for my Tristan, I chose Matthew Daddario, which is actually Alexandra's, Alexandra Daddario's brother, who I think... We both have casted for something. Yeah. And he and is I just... I, have, I feel like I may have casted him in something. Or, you might have. Or had him as an option. He's He's been in my radar yes. of stuff. But he is just... He fits my Tristan. Like, the aesthetic. And I also managed... I think Mandy Moore is also, like, 38. And Matthew Daddario is in his early 30s. So, like, I just also thought that the aging of them was, like, perfect. perfect. The aesthetic was perfect. I could see him playing, like, a CEO billionaire. He was in, um, the most recent thing that he was in that I know of was the, uh, Immortal Instruments Shadowhunters show on ABC Family or Freeform, whatever it is now. And I just... Good choice. 
So who is your Tristan? So my Tristan is Richard Madden. From Same Game kind of, of vibe. I mean, and him Cinderella. and Matthew Daddario have very similar aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So we were on the same page. And Richard Madden. I mean, and I mean he clearly, plays a, he plays a kid. He plays a like prince. Like, yeah. And I mean, clearly, you know, Game of Thrones. He's not afraid of a sex scene. So. No. And he's played scenes where he's like has power. And, and he just whatever. he's very posh, being British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then for our Marley, our last casting of the book. I went with Emily Osment. I just, like, her energy really spoke to me as Marley. That's a good one. Like, and I could also see Marley because we didn't get a whole lot of descriptors from her. No, but she's redhead. Oh, is she a redhead? But, again, okay. wigs, dye right. hair. Like, but I didn't even, that, yeah. That's not a huge no. factor for me. But, like, we really didn't get what her age was. Like, how I was picturing her was just someone who was bubbly as, like, a executive assistant. Mm-hmm. Someone who is very much, like, organized, but also has to be, like, that front person of public and stuff. And then also, like, Emily Osment, I was also thinking of Marley being a little bit younger. And, like, in her early 30s. And, like, falls into that demographic. But I was also just picturing her on um, Hungry. What was that? Young and Hungry or Young something? and Hungry. And, like, her character on that I could see as, like, a Marley. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even Emily or Lily from um, Hannah Montana. Like, just that energy. That's what I was picturing as Marley. So I definitely took Marley as being our comic comedic character. But I also took her as, like, kind of no-nonsense. Maybe being, like, within Claire's age range, maybe a couple years younger. So I picked Angelina Johnson. Oh, she is funny. Does she do stand-up? Mm-hmm. She's a stand-up comedian. I've and seen her stand-up. Up. Couple, she's funny. She's been, like, in a couple of movies. Like, I think she was in some sort of romantic comedy wedding. I like that. But I just feel like she would be that one that would give Claire those pep talks about, like, no, you need to go ride a dick <laughs> and, you know, get back out there. And those, like, kind of bestie conversations yes. that they had, I just feel like. And I feel I like her aesthetic also does emulate marley as well yeah like i could see her playing that character see i think we both have really good casting this week i liked all of all of that and i feel like we we picked different people but we are on the kind of same same wavelength, wavelength. we usually are which yeah. is yeah so obviously if you want to see those castings and like the actual pictures and stuff instagram emotions and potions pod go ahead and follow us like us all the things all the things okay all right so now that we've casted Time to soundtrack this. Time to soundtrack this bitch. So I think we just have to start with the overall theme. Yeah. Overall song. And I know that we both have the same song. We talked about this one. We did talk about this this one one song. Because it was so blatantly obvious. Yeah. And that is Hot and Cold by Katy Perry. So I did come with a backup one because I knew that was your choice. So my second song for that is Should I Stay or Should I Go? From the Clash. And I actually had two for this theme. My second choice was One Week, Bare Naked Ladies, because it's just all about the like ups and downs. One week since you looked at me. me. I don't know. Um, so my next song choice is this is what I literally wrote down. This is so embarrassing, like looking back at these things. So my next thing is Claire being sad, which is often. <laughs> so it says Claire being sad, which is often for both Tristan and Wade. <laughs> And that song is Wish You Were Here by Avril Lavigne. To piggyback off of that, <laughs> I my next category is 
Claire unable to let go of her dead husband. <laughs> what song did you choose? Dancing with Your Ghost by Sasha Alex Sloan. It's a good one. Oh, that is so funny, though. That we literally, yep. These other categories, we did not discuss. We don't discuss The only these. one we discussed pre-pod was the Fine. overall book vibes. So my next category is, I just have sexy time. <laughs> Love. And that one is Radar, Radar by Britney Spears. Yes. That song, okay, I used to listen to that song on my, like, bus ride for, like, middle school. I listened to that for this pod, and I was like, holy shit, this song is so sexual. It is. And, and I was listening to it as, like, a 13-year-old. Even that music video kind of fits yes. the vibes of this book. I know, right? But isn't it a great fit for this book? Mm-hmm. But I was just like, wow, this song is very sexy. So I have a song for the Miles Brothers, all of them. See, I don't have this. Okay. Jordan Belford by Wes Walker and Daryl. Jordan Belford. Jordan. <laughs> I've been getting dirty. Putting dirty many sounds while flipping <laughs> these birds. Is that not just like the Mile Media Boys like anthem? No, I saw that on our playlist because you went in first before me. So then I went in and saw what you had already posted. And I was like, Alex literally does kill this. Like, that song? Yes. So I have my next category is Tristan's theme song. I gave him a theme song, too. And that one is First Class by Jack Harlow. All right, that's a good one. Just because rich, like, yeah. billionaire. And that song is kind of like a vibe to me. My Tristan song is What a Man by Salt and Peppa and In Vogue. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good choice. And then... My final category that I have written down is I have it for the ending and family. So like the ending where they're like a full family and it's our own house by the Mr. Wives. It's like building your own house because they're like a modern family there, you know, whatever. My last category is kind of like the progression of Tristan and Claire's relationship. So like act one of their relationship, No Promises by Cheat Codes and Demi Lovato. And then act two kind of like the family where they're actually solidified and together is You Were Meant For Me by Donnie Hathaway. I like those song choices. I like that. But yes, this playlist will be on Spotify. The links will be in our descriptions. Also on our link tree, which is on Instagram. Hopefully we can bump up our TikTok followers so it can go on there too. Everything is Emotions and Potions pot. Basically. Very easy. But this playlist... We all the others. Again. And yeah. all the others are up there. So if you are like us and like to have music for the books that you're reading, we got you covered. Exactly. So moving on to one of our final segments. Ratings and the letter reveal. Here we go. Okay. So my overall out of 10 for the takeover by T.L. Swan. <laughs> I gave it a 7.5. What about you, Alex? I gave it a six. A six. Okay. Care to a lab? It's a good book. I agree. It was just too long for what it was and just some of the little issues I had. It's not a bad book. Also, I just don't think I was the target audience, audience for it. So I didn't connect to it as much as I think other people would. Right. That's nothing against the book or the author. Personal thing. Right. Yeah, and a 7.5, I mean, I am pretty lenient when it comes to ratings because I couldn't, what these authors do. So I also try to take in in that account. 
And like you said, it's not a bad book. Did I think it was a little long? Yes. Did I think it was a little repetitive? Yes. Do I wish that there was a little bit more plot until the last like third of the book? Yes. But overall, I want to read more by this author. And I think I may like some of the other brothers stories more. Like I may connect with some of those other stories more than I did with Tristan and Claire's. Right. So what was your overall spice? Spice I gave it a 3.8. 3.8? I did a 3.9. So I also wrote, I was like, it's not super spicy as in like taboo want, things. Yeah, I didn't want to give it a four because there's no kinks. No. This is very kind of vanilla sex. Yeah. It's they very, have a lot of it. Right. Which is why I gave it a high three. Yeah. Because there's a lot of it. Yeah, I felt like it deserved more than just a three and kind of more than just a 3.5. Yes. Just because also the banner and the dirty talk was just good. Yes. And really this is very heavily focused on their sexual relationship. So Alex, I did actually write down, I had a question for you, that I was curious for your opinion with this book. So my question was, Alex, I actually wrote Alex. (laughs) Hello. Who else am I going to ask this question to? (laughs) How did you feel about Claire ending up because I know that you sometimes enjoy a romance book that is a little bit more realistic because she is like 38. She can still get pregnant. She can still get pregnant. There's, you're still able to give birth. But like throughout this whole book, it was a not a huge plot point, but it was brought up a few times that Tristan would be sacrificing his own family. Potentially. Potentially to, you know, have a family that just isn't his by blood. Mm-hmm. But then at the very, very end, Claire surprises him being like we're we're creating our own family on top of the family that we already have established did you have any feelings or was it okay for you in this i'm 50 50 on it i was happy for tristan because he kind of gets everything but also yeah you know yeah no i kind of felt the same way where i was really expecting this book to end where it was just going to be the three kids and the two parents tristan and claire like i really went into it being like, no, Claire isn't, they're not going to have that happily ever after. Yeah, if the pregnancy was going to happen, I'm glad it did when it did, when he was already happy with the life that they'd created and he was fine with just having the three boys and adopting being them. his. Right. So I'm glad if the pregnancy did happen, it was at that versus somewhere else in, along the way. I personally didn't mind it. When it came up, I was like, oh, they're, like, really going to get that, like, happily ever after. But, yeah. like, sometimes in romance novels, I know that you've said that you sometimes don't like that I don't everyone need, gets pregnant. I don't everyone need yeah, – everyone gets married and everyone gets pregnant. Right. I don't always need that. Well, there were our overall rankings, our spice ratings, our casting, and our song choices. So the last thing we have is that letter. Alex? It's a hate for me. So it's a it's a light hate for me as well. It's not a bad book. No. I want to read Mr. Garcia. Me too. I kind of want to finish this series. I definitely am interested in Jameson since we met Jameson and Emily. Like, Jameson was the most present brother mm-hmm. in this book. And we didn't get to meet Emily. I would be interested because Jameson also... I want to like, use the series as a palate cleanser for me. Yes. Jameson also like that because he's the CEO. Yeah. I like that kind of. And you know he's going to be a dick. Love it. 
Same. I love dicks I'm, in I'm, romance I, novels. I, I want to know that one. I like dicks <laughs> in romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I would I would be very interested in reading more from T.L. Swan, something that I mentioned to you. Maybe it's just we're a little younger. Maybe in a few years, this book will fall into more of the stuff that we're interested in. Because you're right, yeah. a lot of the plots, a lot of the themes, we're like single. We're not married. We don't have kids. We really couldn't relate. But that could all change. And it's like this, like T.L. Swan is definitely on my radar. She has a hell of a lot of books. Yeah. She has a great collection. So it definitely makes me want to read more by her. Yes. But I don't think I would reread this one. I don't think I would either. I would recommend it, though. I would definitely recommend it. I would recommend it to people who would find this genre of romance. I would recommend this book to my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And that shouldn't be weird if you've listened to our book journey episode, because my mother gave me my first explicit romance book. <laughs> Way to go, Wendy! <laughs> We're here for it. No shame. <laughs> All right, Alex. But I think that that wraps up this episode of Emotions and Potions, a love slash hate letter to The Takeover. But I'm also going to give Meredith a love letter, though. Yes. Love letters to Meredith all day. Because thank you for sending us on this journey. Yes. And if any other listeners, if you guys want to hear anything, send us your book recommendations. We'll do it. Clearly, we will do it. We will listen (laughs) and it'll happen. It may take a little while. But it'll happen. We got you. But thank you for listening to another episode. I'm Ashton. And I'm Alex. And we will see you next time here at Emotions and Potions. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all the things. I don't know. Words. Bye! Bye.